Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. As we go through uh, the next book of the Bible, Colossians, we're going to do something a little bit different today. Um, and I timed it, so I think I'm good. So, uh, in, Paul, in these letters, this is one of the smallest letters or books of the Bible, if you will. Not the smallest, but it is one of the, especially in the epistles, which we call the letters from Paul to the church. <clears throat> this is also one of the prison letters. He wrote this in prison. But in most of these, you'll, you'll read this, that Paul says something to this effect. He says, hey, listen, when you read this to the church... When you read this to the church, he, he was very, um, uh, you know, very clear that he wanted these letters written to the church or read to the church. So what we're going to do is something I don't usually do. I'm more of a, uh, uh, I preach on kind of like themes and topics and those kind of things. But I'm going to read you. So <laughs> if you just take advantage of this, your reading is done for the week, you know. But I'm going to read to you the letter of Colossians or the church at Colossians, or Colossa is the next to the name of the city. But I'm going to break down some things in it as we, as we read it to you. Okay? If you read this, and I read it through multiple translations, so if you say it takes long, I've already timed it, it only takes like eight minutes or less, especially if you read one of these non-paraphrased translations. The old ones, you can get done really quick. All right? So I'm going to read this to you. So in Colossians, if you want to turn there, but here's the thing, here's the, here's the deal. I'm not, it's not going to be on the screen today. You're going to have to you can click on your Bible and your phone, or just listen to me, or whatever you want to do. But I'm not putting it on the screen because it's too much. Our production team would be like loading scriptures all morning. I'm, I said, look, this is one day out of the year. No scriptures on the screen. No points on the screen. I'm just going to do a little something different today, okay? Which is I'm going to break down from the Bible some words uh, so, from this letter. And just some key things that I think are very important for us as Christians today, especially in our region. Because let's just be honest. Can we be honest this morning? We're in church, right? So let's be honest. You live in a very religious area. Can we all agree? Anybody that disagrees with that, raise your hand. You can talk to me after church. I'll explain to you. You must have moved in from somewhere. This is a very religious area. Very religious. Let's just call it as it is. It's religious. No sense in hiding behind it. No sense in patty caking about it and being cute about it in Rome, Georgia. It's a religious city filled with religious people that want to be following religious demonic spirits. Now, you might not like that. You may think, gosh, Pastor Jody, that's awful. I'm tired of dealing with it. No sense in hiding from them. No sense in treating them like they're nice. No sense in acting like it's not real. It's real. And it'll get a hold of you before you know it. Don't let it get you. Religion, man, it's a terrible thing. Jesus, the one thing he went after more than anything else, he pardoned the woman caught in adultery because these jokers didn't bring the guy. You ever wonder, where was he at, right? They're picking on the lady, but where was the guy at? You know, it takes two to tango. Where was he? Probably, I always think like this. It might have been one of their buddies. Anyway, they were very religious people. But you know what Jesus got on? He pardoned her. He gave grace to people. He healed lepers and all the outcasts and all the people that no one had time for. He helped those people. He blasted the Pharisees. Why? Because of religion. And it takes a weird form sometimes. So you have to watch it. So in Colossians, that's what was going on. Colossians is a book that mirrors Ephesians. Ephesians is a book, if you were going to read the two, Ephesians talks more about the church of Jesus Christ. It elevates the church, and Paul talks about the body of Christ and why the church of Christ is so important, and he gave gifts unto the church and how the church is supposed to function, and you have all these different things going. But if you read Colossians, it, it's a bit of a mirror, but it, it, they have same, same, same subject, but different, 
viewpoints. Ephesians is about the church of Christ, but Colossians would be about the Christ of the church. Over and over, Paul talks about that he is Jesus Christ. He uses the word Christ more here than in most places. Christ. It's not just Jesus. And Jesus is the name above all names. I understand that. But the word Christ means the, the anointed one and his anointing. It means the Messiah. It was important to Paul to emphasize this and say, he is Christ, the hope of glory. He wasn't just talking about the church. He's talking about the Lord of the church. Because why? They got into religion. So as we read this, I'm going to break it down. Colossians chapter 1. We'll talk a little bit about some things in it. Okay, you ready? You good? I'm going to read you, as Paul would say. Imagine Paul sent this letter. Paul the apostle, right? Church is spreading everywhere like wildfire. Paul sends a letter to your church. And the pastor of the church says, I, I, I got this letter from Paul. Would you like me to read it today? What would you say? Well, yeah, I mean, of course I would. Paul, that's what you get to do today, okay? So, Colossians chapter 1, here we go. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle. Now, I will read quickly on some of this, okay? Just, but I'll slow down some parts, all right? And from my brother Timothy, we're writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossa, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May our God the Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God for the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to us or came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the days you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Here's an interesting thing. Paul actually thought, and they go back to this, they actually believed, and it did do this. In the known world, the gospel basically was preached all over the world. It had one generation left before it had accomplished its purpose. Jesus said this gospel, he will not come back until this gospel is preached all over the world. They actually did that then. This is why it's important that you have a knowledge of God's word. Because these philosophical people that think they're so highly educated will say, well, you know, y'all been talking about this coming of Jesus for many, many centuries and, and, and a millennia. Where is he? Peter says there will be people in the last days that say, where is the promise of his coming? This is why you need to know your Bible. So that you don't get doubtful and question him. Because scripture says as a day is like a thousand years unto the Lord. Don't misinterpret time. Jesus will come back when God is ready for him to come back. And why is he not coming back? Because he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth to be redeemed. But don't get caught up in this philosophical, heretical thinking and teaching that says, well, where's the promise? Let me tell you something. I would rather side with him because when he comes back with the brightness of his coming, he will destroy the devil with the brightness of his glory. I would rather believe that then this philosophical, humanistic thinking that's going on today from a guy who's got a bunch of degrees and ain't been on the planet more than 55 years. Why would I believe that person? What makes them an author over the existence of life? I would rather believe this and get to heaven and him say, well, you know, you're off by a few things. Well, at least that part was true. Because that philosophical guy isn't going to help you at all. So anyway, that's just important. It, this gospel has been preached around the world. It is possible that it's already been covered, but people turn from the faith, and now you have what's called a 1040 window across the globe in the Middle East that it looks like, well, they are just never been preached the gospel. Not true. 
They were preached the gospel. They turned from the faith. And don't think it can't happen here. So he says this, you learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He was more than likely the one who founded the church at Colossa. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. Here's our prayer. We ask for God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you the spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way that you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience that you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. For he has enabled... Now remember I told you, this is a place that began to get very religious and they pulled away from the true faith. So what is Paul doing? If you notice what he's doing, he's propping them up a little bit, right? I pray that you always be filled with joy. I pray that you be strengthened. I pray that you have wisdom, right? Why is he doing that? Because he recognizes what he's about to talk to you about might not be so comfortable. So he's kind of giving you a bunch of attaboys, you know? Always thanks the Father for this. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave us of our sins. Thank you. Jesus. Then he switches gears. He kind of helped you out a little bit, but now he's about to get some true focus on what's going on. Remember, it's very religious. They are pulling away from the true faith. They are doubters in some cases. So he says, Christ is, verse 15, the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he upholds all of creation together. Christ is also the head of the church. See what he's saying? He's not so focused on the church right now. He's saying, this is the Lord of the church. It is his body. He is the beginning. He's supreme over all who rise from the dead or are resurrected. So he's the first in everything. In other words, he's the first born-again believer. He's the first over all that. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Now, he says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. People... it, it drives me nuts when people don't know enough about the Bible. They say really silly things. Like, well, if God was a God of mercy, why does he do this? If you want to see the Lord, God Almighty, just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because if you have seen Jesus, he said, you've seen the Father. If you want to know who, what Jesus, what the Lord is like, watch what he does when he pardons people in their deepest sin. If you want to know what God's really like, watch Jesus in the flesh. Pardon people that should not have been pardoned by the Pharisees, but he would do it because he saw their heart. The Father is more about forgiveness and redemption and mercy than we give him credit for. We pick out a few things and these people in this, oh, what about Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, if you really read about Sodom and Gomorrah, read what Jesus said. He actually said this about Sodom and Gomorrah to Capernaum. He said, you know what? Where I lived in Capernaum, 
If Sodom and Gomorrah had seen the miracles that you have seen in the town which I live in, they would have repented long ago. He basically told Capernaum, you're lower than they are. That's God. God, in his mercy, tried to get people out of there. They didn't want to. Noah's Ark is nothing but a symbol of God's mercy. But let me ask you a question. I mean, guys, let me just throw it out to you. If you're a young guy, you've been trying to call that girl up. I guess now you text them because you don't get that. But anyway, you might get more dates if you actually talk to her. But you text them, hey, would you like to go out with me? And she keeps kind of pushing you. Don't respond. You tried five, six, seven times. She don't respond to you. Dude, she don't like you. Let it go, bro. Just let it go. There's more fish in the sea. I mean, I love my wife, but if she paid me no attention when we first started dating, and I started, if she was like, never really talked to me, ne- that's a hint. She didn't like me. Might want to try talk to somebody else. Well, God's no different. Why would he spend all of his time with people who'd care nothing about him? If he tries and tries and tries, people say, I don't want anything to do with you. What? Okay. Do whatever you want to do, but you're on your own. God's no different. So anyway, he says, <clears throat> Christ is the firstborn. He's overall. Verse 21, he says, this includes you who were far, once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. That means all of us. Yet now he's reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Now, that is worth reading today. When you come to church, sometimes we think we come in. Did you say he brought you in? That makes it easier to worship right there. Just the fact that I didn't just try and work up something. He has gone before me and has brought me into his presence. And you are, watch this, holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. If that wasn't worth coming to church for, I don't know what is. The fact that you, what, I'm holy and blameless? Yes, if you're a believer, yes, you are. Because of him, not because of you, because of him. So you can worship him freely. But watch what he says. Here's where he starts working with the doubters. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. The good news I has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. He's saying, watch out for what we would call, which a lot of people consider to be popular, what's going on now, the falling away of the church. I don't know that I really agree with that necessarily. Um, I look at it as an opportunity for redemption of the church. Because it caused us to wake up and see how really goofed up we really were. I mean, just to be real honest. No sense in sugarcoating it, right? I mean, it is. We, we, do some, we, we, we really had some mixed up thoughts about things, didn't we? I mean, it, 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 and I don't have time to get into all that, but we really did. Let's just be honest. It brought us back to what's true, what's real. Made me realize, hey, I, I need to preach more scripture, give more word. Well, I can't believe you'd read that much of the Bible. Why wouldn't I? It's church. Wouldn't it make sense to read the Bible? You know, if you ever say the magician's uh, pen and teller, I think his name is pen and teller, I think. One of them, I think it's Penn, he's the big guy. He is a, he proclaims himself an atheist. I, I don't know, I think it's an act. Or I think he's so close to redemption, it's like unbelievable. But I, I, think, I think he may come to Christ before it's over with. Uh, there was a guy who confronted him. As a believer, try to reach him for Christ. 
He started tearing up. As an atheist, he's tearing up because he said, thank you for believing enough in what you believe that you would actually share it with me. Though I don't agree with you and I don't believe what you're talking about, at least you have the guts to, if you believe there's a heaven and a hell, you would actually share it with me. I thought, what? That's coming from an atheist. That's pretty wild right there, huh? So I say that because don't back away from what you know is true. So Paul says, I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. For God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations, but now it's been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches of the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. Gentile church, not Jewish believers. These are a Gentile nations. This is about 100 miles from Ephesus, okay, the city of Colossae. Watch what he says now. I want you to know how much I've agonized for you in the church at Laodicea. Now, you've heard of this church. Watch how many times he references Laodicea. And for many other believers who have never met me personally, I want them to be encouraged and it together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence in that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Notice how many times he's encouraging you, don't fall away, don't be deceived, continue on in your faith. Why? Because it is possible that believers can fall away. And he says... Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built upon him. Then your faith will go strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. I love it how Paul would just say that. That sounds a little Georgia, does it not? Nonsense. That's just nonsense, man. But he says, don't let him capture with these things, with nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Now, I said this while I got on the city. You need to understand that, maybe I said it last week, when you place your children as college students into university, you need to make sure that you have prepared them for what they're going to hear. Philosophies, humanistic thinking, And watch this. Paul says it's not just from a book that these people are reading. It is influenced by principalities and powers that are in the spiritual world. Now, you may think, well, Pastor, how many times you go, this is getting weird. You can go to some cities, is it not true, and tell, there's something weird here. Can you not? You can. There are different things over different regions. Now, Christ is above it, though. So we say to our kids, you're going to hear some weird stuff. It's not true. You better hold fast to your faith, which you have believed. Understand, don't let that stuff influence you. You have authority over it. You are above it. You're not beneath it. Anyway, just keep up with that, okay? It's very important. So he says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body, so you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. There you go. So when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, was not yet cut away. He says, then 
God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all of our sins. Everybody say all. Paul said he wanted you to know that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, has forgiven you of all of your sins. As a believer, it's not an every Sunday thing where I, I just hope I, he accept. He has, if you are saved, he has received you into his family and you have been forgiven of all. Everybody say it again. All sin. That's why some Christians can move forward and some can't. Because if you get hung up over this philosophical thinking that comes through some Christian circles that, well, you know, I'm just this old sinner and I just have no real power and I'm just this beat down guy. Just Maybe one day I just hope God gives me a little something in the corner of heaven. That's about the dumbest thing you could ever say because it's not even biblical. Everywhere I read, Jesus said, if you believe in me, believe in him. Or if you believe in him, believe in me. I go to prepare a what? A place for you. I don't know what your place looks like. But I just figure if I can build my house with my ability and what I have, I figure he can do better than me. He's a carpenter. He's got skills. His stuff is going to probably look better than mine. He's not preparing me a shack. He's not up there preparing me something. Well, let's just stick him in the corner of heaven. Stop saying that. There's no corner of heaven for Christians. You have to go up there and worship Jesus. Get no corner in that in the corner. That sounds, that's weird. It's nowhere in the Bible. Anyway, moving on. That's what he says. He's forgiven all of your sin. You were dead because of your sins, because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them in the cross. That's good. That's really good. That's better than you think it is. You might need to go back and read it again this week. So then he says this, and this is important, because people get confused with these, these next part. He says, so then don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or what you drink, or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. So don't let anyone condemn you. Okay. Before I go further... He's not saying there's anything wrong with having Passover. He's not saying there was anything wrong with celebrating uh, Pentecost or any of the feasts that they did. What he was saying was, you don't put your faith in those things to redeem you. They are shadows. We worship today as a shadow of what is going to be in heaven. But we don't exclude worship. But worship won't save you. Y'all got what I'm saying? We read our Bibles not for salvation, for understanding and wisdom revelation in Christ. But your Bible will not save you. It's important to understand this. He's not saying you can't have certain things. And he's not saying that you can't eat bacon as a Gentile. But let me just say, if you eat bacon every day, three times a day, all of your life, it's probably not going to be good for you. Can we all agree? So he's saying, don't let anybody judge you. You know, if you have a glass of wine or have a drink, whatever. I'm not picking on you because of that, whatever. But if you get plastered every night, it's not good for you. That's what he's saying. Can we all agree with that, right? Don't let anybody judge you. And then he says something very interesting. He said, let anyone condemn you by insisting on the pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they've had visions about these things. For their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together as his joints and ligaments as it grows in God's nourishment. They actually believe there. Some of these folks there. Now, there's nothing wrong with someone seeing an angel. Nothing wrong with people have told me they've seen angels. They've told me they've seen them here. I, I've never seen an angel. 
doesn't change anything on my viewpoint of Christ. But what they did was, instead of looking at the angels for what they are, ones who were messenger angels or ones who were uh, warrior angels or those who came to, as the Bible says, the angels of God surround about me. Instead of looking at it for what the scripture said, they started talking about this saying, you must worship the angels. And the people began to believe it and they were pulled into deception. And anything that pulls you off of Christ first first is deception. I don't care what people tell you. Anybody tells you, oh, I got this vision, and they start talking about it, but it goes against God's word. You better mark it and say, that's not of God. Did they have a vision? Probably. Could they have mixed up what they thought they saw? Yeah. But I'm just telling you, Christ is above all. No one gets worship but Jesus. No one. Not a man not a woman, not a supernatural being, not a philosophy or any other religious thinking. Even watch this. I'm going to say it and don't choke. Even Christianity. Because Christianity can turn into nothing more than Islam or Buddhists or, or the Hindus. It can turn to the same. Very, that's exactly what was happening here. They turn from the faith and they allow deception to lead their way. So Paul says, be careful of it. He said this, listen, you've died with Christ. He said, you're free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. And these rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe body discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Because it comes from within. So what he's saying is, when Jesus was faced with the same thing with his disciples, they didn't wash their hands. They come down on them hard. Now listen, are we all not aware today <laughs> that you probably should wash your hands? <laughs> we all agree. I mean, given the last year and a half, whatever your belief is on the medical thing, I don't really care. I think it's pretty obvious you ought to wash your hands, at least. You don't care about everything else, whatever. But I think that's a good start. I mean, if you're messing around with working on stuff, and if you're on a farm and you're, you know, you're dealing with cows all day or you're dealing with whatever, I don't know if anybody would just come in and start eating cheeseburgers. Just being honest, if you're working on a farm, you're getting stuff all over you, you're going to wash your hands, right? Okay, Jesus didn't say you can't wash your hands, didn't say you shouldn't wash your hands. They were making a religious statement. How dare you? You didn't wash your hands, you're unclean. Jesus saying, you can't declare someone unclean because they didn't wash their hands. That's a spiritual matter. What goes in a man doesn't defile him. It's what comes out. They're thinking about, you know, bowel movements or whatever, but Jesus saying, it ain't, you all are all messed up here. You're major on the minor. What comes out from within is where the problem is. So he said, I'm going to finish reading this. We'll wind up here in just a second. So since you've been raised in new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. And think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. And your life is hidden in Christ with God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you shall share in his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. 
You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. For Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive other people. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from God rule in your hearts. For as a member of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Then he says this, Wives, Submit to your husbands as fitting for those who belong to the Lord. I don't have to get into this. This isn't an old school. It just means have great respect. Honor your husband. He says this, Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Have great respect and honor for your wife. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Then he says something very interesting, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, but just roll me right now. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Try not to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Or try to please them all the time, I'm sorry, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. And remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you do. Because God has no favorites. It means that no matter where we are in economic status in life, God does not overlook people because of status. Status does not get you into heaven. Your money will not get you to heaven. Your position will not get you to heaven. Your profession will not get you to heaven. None of these things will gain you entrance in the kingdom. No matter if you're at the bottom or at the top. We're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks. Because people talk about this stuff all that God allowed slavery. That's ridiculous. I'll explain why that's in the Bible and why to understand this. Don't listen to philosophers out there that pull you away from Christ. The reality is, if you're at the top of the pole or at the bottom pole, it doesn't matter. No matter where you are economically, God has no favorites. Because then he says, masters, be just and fair to your servants. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. And he closes up with this bit of prayer. So devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among the, those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Titus will give you a full report about <clears throat> how I'm getting along. For he is a beloved brother and faithful helper <clears throat> who serves me in the Lord's work. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we're doing and to encourage you. 
I'm also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Titus will tell you everything that is happening here. Aristus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas's cousin. And you are instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here in the kingdom of God, and what a comfort they have been. Epaphras, as a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. And I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings, and so does Desmus. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea. Notice how many times he says Laodicea. And to Nepha and the church that meets in her house. After you read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea. Now, I'm closing my mouth. Laodicea has been mentioned at least four, maybe five times. So they can read it too, and you should read the letter I wrote to them. And I say to Archippus, be sure you carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here's my greeting, my own handwriting. Remember my chains, my God's grace be with you, Paul. The interesting thing about Laodicea. Laodicea is the church, one of the churches in Revelation. You would remember this when I tell you. They were the church that when Jesus said, I have this thing against you, that you're neither hot nor cold. And because you are lukewarm... Jesus said this kind of interesting statement, I will spew you. One translation, I will vomit you Ugh, out of my mouth. It means it's not working. I would rather that you be hot or cold. Now, you can interpret that in a number of different ways, but here's the thing I want you to see. Paul wrote this letter to the church at Colossa and said, give it to the people at Laodicea. That is interesting to me because if my timeline serves me correct, this would be before Laodicea's writing from John in Revelation. Seems like he was trying to prepare them then to watch out for the deception that will pull you away before Jesus had to step in and give it in red letters. I want to encourage you today with this, that your faith really matters. The strength that you believe in Christ and where you hold your faith, the line that you set, it really matters. When people see that, when you talk to people, people understand that you are a person of faith or you are a person that is just lukewarm. You don't have to be a Bible thumper. You don't have to be putting stuff all over your cars. You don't have to scream in bullhorns. But let me tell you something. People know people of faith. They can see it a mile away. They can tell if we're flippant. They can tell if we're real. But he said, I'd really be hot or cold. Just pick one. Because lukewarm, you can't have both. We say, well, you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in God. You know, that's old school preacher talk right there, you know. You remember that? Oh, you know what I'm talking about. You can't do that, right? It don't mean you have to be crazy. It just means a Christian, they put on the line. And they say, listen, I know the world is saying all this stuff is this, and they think it's right. But if you're going to be a person of faith, it's going to cost you some stuff. And you can't move the line so it suits the world. Well, this offends people now. I better not say that. That sexual immorality thing, we better not talk about that. Homosexuality, we better leave that alone, Pastor. can't believe you said it. It's in the Bible. Why would I not? What good would I be as a pastor if I said, well, I know adultery is in the Bible, but we don't want to talk about it. It'll offend somebody. 
How ridiculous. See, but that makes people nervous right now. Pastor, oh my gosh, who, I don't know if I'd say that. Don't you know what people will say? That, yeah, I know. But wouldn't you rather have the line of faith where it is than us moving it in our little humanistic ways and philosophical thinkings? What good is faith in Christ if we're going to move the bar over and over again to so far removed from where faith is we can't even recognize a Christian anymore? And when you live in a religious city, you have to be careful because people want to move the line all the time. Don't say that. You're going to offend people. Be careful with that. It's going to hurt their feelings. That's moving the line. And I just am not going to do it. It's not worth it to my children. It's not worth it to you. If you're watching online right now, and it's not worth it if you move that line. You don't have to be rude, but don't move the gospel line. Let it stay where, let it just be where it is. Just let it stay. Jesus is big enough, God is big enough, the Holy Spirit is big enough to say, this is the truth. Here it is. It's just going to stay steady no matter what. You move it if you want to, but this is where the line is. The line of faith. So I did my prayer today is this for you as we read through Colossians is this. No matter where we are, watch out for religion here in this city that wants you to move your faith. You can have faith and not be rude, but hold your line of faith. Don't let people pull you down so far that we can't even recognize what it is anymore. Right? So would you close your eyes and bow your head just for a moment? Dear Lord, I want to thank you today for your goodness, for your mercy. <clears throat> I thank you, Lord, that your gospel is true. And the Lord, your word is true, no matter what this world says, no matter how offended it makes us at times, no matter how many times it makes us look odd to people around us in this world, I thank you that your word is truth. And Jesus, you said that your word is truth. It is life. And we're to build our, our lives upon your word. It is like building a house on the rock. But this world is like building a house on sinking sand. So today I pray that you'd strengthen us in our faith as Paul would pray. That we might be strengthened with all the glorious might that is in your word, in your gospel. May you strengthen us by your spirit in the inner man. And I pray if there's anybody here watching online that doesn't know you today, I pray that they will turn to you right now. So with your eyes closed, no one looking around, if you're watching online as well, just going to take a time here to pray with you. If you're here in this room, you're watching, I want to pray for you. You say you don't know Christ or you're not sure. Maybe that line of faith, you thought it was here and you've, maybe you've allowed people to move it and it's so far from where it should be that right now you're saying, I, I need to turn to God in a way that is legitimately like back on the line of faith because it's moved so much. I'm, I'm too far from where he called me to be. If that's you, we're going to pray right now. This whole church will pray with you. If you're watching online, we're going to pray together. Just repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I submit to you, to the Lordship of Christ, to the line of faith, and I give you my heart. Teach me and train me and help me to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you. Would you give him a hand, church? Right? <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat>
Listen, so proud if you prayed that prayer. Uh, you can get some follow-up from us at connect.cornerstonerome.com. If you need help, maybe you want to get help walking with God or as a disciple of God, we want to help you get started with that. If you're watching online as well, connect.cornerstonerome.com. It's a place you want to go, and that way you can help. we'll help you get started walking with God and help you... Um, any resource materials that you might need, we'll help you in any way we can. But we're very proud of you. And just want to, you know, hold the line, right? Hold the line. Don't, don't move it. Before we leave today, last words to encourage you. You're stronger than you think you are. The one that's above all. He's greater than anything. Principality, power. He's in you. He's made his home in you. And he's above all that. And he's with you. Hold the line. Be strong in the Lord. Don't let people move it on you, okay? So before we go today, I want you to stand to your feet. Let me speak this over you before we go. We love to <clears throat> just pray this over you guys before we leave every, um, every Sunday. And this is a declaration that we just believe. As Moses, <clears throat> God told Moses, he said, look, whenever Aaron speaks this over the children of Israel, I myself will bless them with this blessing. So he said this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you and smile upon you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, that is our prayer for you. God bless you guys so much. Y'all have a wonderful day. We'll see you next week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.